Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey, happy Tuesday, Liberty lovers. This is your host for the day, John Odermatt. Uh, Probably surprised to hear from me on a Tuesday. I'm bringing you a very special bonus episode. Uh, For those of you who aren't familiar with our Lions of Liberty Pride format, we have a special show once a month that is produced, developed, researched, uh, recommended, by one of our Nittany level or higher Lions of Liberty Pride members. And this month is no different. Actually, this is November's episode. I waited to air it until today, December 1st, because the holiday, everything else, it just it just wasn't going to work out. So I want to thank uh, our Lions of Liberty Pride Nittany level member, Zach Aziz, for uh, reaching out to us and bringing us this great idea to speak with Grant Romult, the CEO of an incredible startup called Ocean Builders, which I don't want to give away too much, but they have some very fast-moving and exciting things happening down in Panama, which uh, they're making it available to live on the ocean in Panama, have the freedom that comes with that, a couple of different formats on a cruise ship, um, in a uh, in a sea pod, so very cool stuff, and we'll get into all that with Grant. But before I do that, I do want to mention one thing. This is, like I said, it is fast moving, and there is an opportunity now to actually get involved and procure. Uh, what right now it's starting with the um, rooms on this uh, cruise ship. Uh, they're calling it Crypto Cruise, and uh, you can actually get a room. I think the auction ended, and uh, they'll move into the next phase after that. And Lions of Liberty is partnering with Ocean Builders. We uh, have an affiliate program with them. So if you want to visit our link at lionsofliberty.com slash ocean, um, that'll take you right to uh, the Ocean Builder site when you click through there on the, uh, the button on that page. Uh, you can check out the different options they have, learn all about Ocean Builders, I strongly recommend all of our listeners to do that. And yeah, that's it, guys. You're going to be hearing more about Ocean Builders, I'm sure, in the future. Very excited to bring this episode to you today with Ocean Builders CEO, Grant Romolt. All right, my guest today is Grant Romolt. He is the CEO of Ocean Builders. Uh, he is an early adopter and innovator of new technology. And he had one of the most advanced mobile paperless offices in Canada in 1995. Um, I definitely want to ask him about this next uh, fact here. He lived in a tech frat house in San Francisco with one of the six co-founders of PayPal. He owns several businesses specializing in software development, video production, education, sales, and training. And his customers include many multi-billion dollar multinational companies. 
for the past four years. He's been living in a floating home and he is now bringing his experience to ocean builders. And that's what we're here to talk about with Grant today about seasteading, about ocean builders. Grant, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Well, great to have you here. And before we get into talking about seasteading specifically and about ocean builders and everything that's going on there, I want to start with you and, and your, your personal philosophy and really how you got in this, uh, in this line of work in the first place in seasteading. But, but backtracking from that, just your philosophy, would you describe yourself as a, a libertarian, a, an anarchist, a, a mix of, of something else? Uh, I've never really identified with the word anarchist, but I guess that kind of fits. Uh, I'm, I've always, like my highest value has always been freedom. And whenever anyone would try to do anything to take that away from me, mm -hmm. I would resist it. I would be like, I would go the other direction or I would find my own way or I'd find another way or find a way around it to, to be able to have more freedom. And I think I'm one of the people that I, I don't think there's too many people in the world that I know that has more freedom than I have built into my life. Um, so it's always been something that's been super important to me. And uh, I pursued it at every turn I could, uh, could take. Um, is, is that something that you can pinpoint a time in your life or an experience or a book or, or something notable that happened that really influenced you down that path? I think it's just part of my genetic makeup. It just, mm -hmm. it's always been important to me. And um, like in school when I was, you know, just in grade school and, and uh, the teachers were telling me what to do. Like you have to do your homework, you have to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, why, what is that going to do? Like, you're trying to tell me something, but there's no reason for me to do it. There's like, what, what's in it for me? Why, why would I do this? Like I was questioning. It's like, well, this doesn't make sense to me. So like, give me a reason. Mm -hmm. And no one really gave me any reasons other than you have to do this because this is the way it is. And I guess I was always questioning and not just accepting. And uh, uh, that kind of grew and grew and grew over the years. Um, and about 20 Two years ago now, I heard about a project called Freedom Ship. Hmm. And the project was uh, about building a one-mile-long ship that was going to circumnavigate the world every two years and stop at different ports call around the world. And I just loved that idea because I thought that that would be the ultimate freedom. You could have your, at your home, and your home went with you around the world. So you got to travel. You got to, to experience the freedom of that. And... Uh, you would be like an international citizen, and I thought that was just incredible. The problem with that is that it was going to take about $6 billion to start the project, and that just was such a large number, back, especially back in those days, that it just had a hard time getting off the ground. Uh, but I loved the idea, so it just kind of stuck with me over the years and uh, kind of went in, into the background. And then... About a year and a half ago, uh, I was on a plane on my way to Acapulco, and there was a guy that was uh, wearing the shirt talking about seasteading and floating homes. And I mm -hmm. looked at the shirt, and we started talking. And he was involved with uh, my now business partners who were building these floating homes in Thailand. 
So uh, when I saw what they were building, I thought this is this is incredible. And uh, it was a home in international water, so it was 13 miles out from land. So I thought this is like this is kind of like the Freedom Ship, but much more scalable because all we're just building these small little platforms about five meters wide and was very inexpensive Mm -hmm. and we could just build one. And if we knew if we could just build one and make it look, you know, appealing to people that uh, maybe someone else would see it and say, well, I like that. I want one of those. Mm -hmm. And then you build one and then you build another and that turns into three, that turns into 10, that turns into 50. And then all of a sudden you have a new frontier. I think you've talked about, sort of there's there's different models with, with ocean builders you have the mm-hmm. and you can elaborate more on this of course but uh you have the the sea pods which should be living you know living in the ocean in a, in a floating uh in a, in a flotation device of, of some sort uh land pods and then the the cruise the cruise condos the the crypto cruise right. so how, how do all those fit together and um what uh, I guess how how close are each one to being rolled out and actually, uh, you know, something that somebody could could purchase tomorrow? Uh, well, we there are C pods are our main project that we're working on, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just at the factory earlier today. So we have uh, we built an entire manufacturing plant. Um, we started building it just before COVID started, and. Uh, it's now pretty much complete, but it's complete enough that we've been able to actually start production uh, about a month and a half ago. We're a month away from having the, uh, the plug made for our mold. And so how, it, how, how we're doing it is we're making the, the shape, which is mm-hmm. called a plug, and then we're using that plug to make molds and then using the molds to make the actual homes. Okay. So it's kind of a three-step process. So the first step of that will be complete in about two and a half weeks, and then we start making the mold. So we should have the first unit floating on the water sometime end of January. And these are shallow, shallow water, or are they mm-hmm. deep sea? Yeah, these are uh, shallow water models, about okay. one kilometer away from land. Mm-hmm. And then when COVID started, we saw a... Uh, saw the effect of COVID on the cruise ship industry. Mm-hmm. And um, we thought, oh, you know, no one's going to want to go on a cruise for a long time. The cruise ship industry is pretty much dead and don't know when it's going to get any better. So there's a lot of cruise ship companies that were kind of in distress. And uh, so we thought maybe this is an opportunity. Uh, what if we could pick up a cruise ship for um, a really good deal? So, uh, so we put an initial bid in and, um, they went with another company and then they came back to us about three weeks later and, uh, said, well, uh, the ship came back up, uh, as, as available. So do you want to make another bid? So we thought, well, okay, well, we'll just throw them a low ball offer, like a really low ball offer and see if they accept it. So we did. And, um, three or four days later, they came back and said, Congratulations. It's yours. So was this bot, it, bot sight unseen? Were you able to go and sort of, uh, you know, investigate and see, you know, the, the working order of the ship and those types of things? Uh, it already had a, uh, uh, a survey done on the ship. Mm-hmm. So we already had that in place. 
Uh, it had already been sold earlier in the year, I believe. Uh, but because of COVID, that sale got, you know, got canceled. Right. So we were able to come in and the ship was all ready to be sold and was going to be in use and service for, you know, they were going to continue with another company. So it was uh, going to be in service for many more years. And uh, because of COVID, the, the new buyer backed out on the deal. So we got a fantastic uh, offer. I do want to come back to the sea pods, but to continue with the, uh, with the ship, with the crypto cruise. So mm-hmm. there's rooms available right now for, for auction, correct? Yes, we have rooms available for auction for the next three or four days. So it might still be available for day. Yeah, I guess, um, I guess by the time this airs, it might be over. So we're recording this on Monday, the 23rd. Um, so, so what, when, do, when is the end date? I guess is an easier way to, to say it. The 28th. The 28th. Okay. Yeah. And then we're going to, uh, we basically have so many people all over the world that love what we we're doing and they want to be involved in some way. So we wanted to give our closest followers the opportunity to, uh, get the best deal and be our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And so we said, okay, we don't know the true value of a cruise ship cabin because this is a new model that uh, no one's really done before. Um, so we thought, okay, well, we'll put them up for auction and, and see what happens. So uh, we started the auction and now we're, after the auction closes, then we're going to do rentals for the units. Okay. And what do you visualize this turning into? Um, is it going to be somewhere that people move full time? Will it be, do you think more so people, you know, taking months at a time, you know, maybe sort of, uh, you know, long-term vacations or what, what, what's your expectation around that? Well, I think that there's a lot of people that uh, have wanted to have a place where they can live in a crypto environment or blockchain mm-hmm. environment. And there's been efforts around the world, but nothing's really happened uh, for whatever reasons. And we're with the cruise ship. This gives us, I think an unprecedented opportunity to, to make it, you know, create the environment we want to live in and the environment. I think a lot of other people are very interested in and uh, the, so the number one requirement of any business on, on the ship is that you have to take at least Bitcoin as payment. You can take anything else you want. You can take us dollars. You can take any other currency, fiat currency, uh, you can take any other cryptocurrency, but you have to take at least uh, Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And the reason we did that, we didn't say, okay, we have to take Bitcoin and Ethereum and whatever. Is we just we know if we if we say at least Bitcoin, then they're probably going to take more than that. And that's kind of a also a symbolic thing that like this is the place for crypto, and it takes the first crypto that was ever or first uh, cryptocurrency that was ever created, um, and from there, I think other platforms will be, other tokens and coins will be accepted. And the uh, we're using coin payments as our preferred um, payment uh, processor for crypto. And they, I think when you add all the, uh, all the coins and tokens they accept, it's up to like almost 2000. Oh, wow. So there's, there's a huge variety and you can pay and uh, you can settle your debts however you want. So you can pay with, with cash or uh, scan a QR code and make a payment. And, and the ship will be uh, 
stationed in international waters. Is, is that right? Uh, the ship will be inside of the territorial waters of Panama. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. So and the guess, reason, okay, go ahead. Uh, so we, we, we need to have, we need to get food supplies on a regular basis. We need to, um, have access to city services and, uh, fuel and all kinds of other resources. So mm-hmm. it really made sense to, to put it someplace where we can have access to a big city. And, um, then, you know, if someone wants to be on the ship, most of the time they can be, but if they want to have a big city experience, go into town, go to a restaurant in town or, uh, go tourism, do some tourism, uh, things that they, they can just be a 20 or 30 minute ride to shore and, uh, they can do whatever they want in the city. Uh, we're also setting up some really neat things. We'll have, a uh, uh, float plane business coming in so mm-hmm. you'll be able to get off the ship to the float plane which is right park right beside the ship and go direct uh, and fly to tourist de- destinations around the country so you don't you don't even have to go to shore if you don't want to you can fly direct to all these really cool destinations around the country and go to places you wouldn't even be able to go to as a normal tourist uh, very easily that's very cool and you can pay with crypto. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So so you're, you're then governed under the laws of, of Panama then. So why, what's the reason why Panama, or one of the reasons, or why Panama was chosen? Uh, Panama is great for a number of reasons. Uh, one of the big reasons was that it's outside of the hurricane zone. And that's a huge bonus. Uh, it's so you're living nev- on the water. Panama never gets hit with hurricanes? No. Nope. So there's a band around the, the equator of the Earth, about, I think it's 700 or 900 kilometers wide. And uh, it is because of how the Coriolis effect works around the Earth with mm-hmm. the wind effect, how there's, um, you don't get hurricanes around the equator. Interesting. So we're in that band that does not get hurricanes. Now, we got the, the, some bad weather from hurricanes further north. Uh, but, you know, it rained for several days. Right. That wasn't so bad. So that, that's a big reason. Uh, Panama also makes it really easy to become a resident and to get your residency. Uh, it's very inexpensive and very simple process. Uh, it's one of the easiest countries in the world to, to do that. They only tax you on um, local earned income. So if you have a job within Panama, doing something inside of Panama, then you would pay taxes on that. But if you have a business that you run uh, internationally uh, for digital nomad and you have an online business, then mm-hmm. there's, you don't, you don't pay taxes in Panama. So there's, there's uh, tax benefits. Um, yeah. So it's, it's got a lot of benefits going for it. It's uh, the weather's beautiful. Uh, it's a beautiful country. Uh, it's warm year round. And I've always, Light skipping winters. I've always believed that if you're good at geography, then you there's no such thing as winter. I could probably learn something from that. I live in uh, <laughs> in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, so definitely not skipping winter here. But maybe maybe eventually I'll be in Panama. We'll see if things continue on their current track. Uh, current track in the U.S. might have to get out. But I, I did so, read somewhere. I don't know if it was on. I don't think it was on your website. So I don't know if this is true or not. But um, you know, you have the cruise ship. I heard that 
um, there was potential to bring in a, a barge of some kind, maybe to have a, that'd be next to the cruise ship with some manufacturing capabilities and, and other things? Yes. Um, so we have a lot of things we want to do. This is the cruise ship was, we weren't even thinking about this for the next, for many years, kind of, that was kind of more like an end goal uh, where you could have, you could eventually acquire a cruise ship and then you have like a self-contained community. Uh, and we just got there a lot faster because of the opportunity that COVID brought to us. Um, so um, we have, uh, we would like to be able to produce our, floating homes on an actual floating barge manufacturing plant, which could be parked beside the cruise ship. So we'll, our manufacturing plant that we have right now in Panama is on the uh, Atlantic side and we uh, would, the cruise ship will be on the Pacific side. So we'd like to have manufacturing on both coasts. Uh, So the one on the, on the Pacific side would be a floating barge. Okay, now to go back to the to the sea pods for a little bit because I mean people yeah. listening, I'm, I'm going to encourage them to go to the website to check this out, which is oceanbuilders.com, and you can you mm-hmm. can read about it and see about the sea pods and the cruise ship and and the land pods and, and learn everything there. And I'll link to that on the show notes page as well. But just to give you know, so my audience can understand how these sea pods work. Uh, you know, I mean, simple things like. Getting running water, going to the bathroom. Um, get you know if you want to get off the sea pod and and go to shore to uh, to go shopping or something. How does all that uh, how does all that work? Okay, first I'll maybe explain how the shape. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe some background on the shape because it's a very unusual design. Um, I kind of take it for granted now. It's just like normal for me. But a lot of people, when they see it for the first time, it's like, that doesn't make sense. How does, like that, a, looks like how a, does that work? It looks like a spaceship almost a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of like George Jetson on, on the water. Instead of mm-hmm. in the clouds, it's on the water. So it's kind of this uh, floating pod. And it's uh, on top of a pole that goes into the water. And it gets its uh, flotation because the pole goes actually pretty far into the water, which creates buoyancy. So um, if you put uh, like styrofoam and put it in the water, it actually creates a ton of buoyancy. So we're not putting styrofoam in this case, but it's, uh, it's an empty, you know, an air-filled tube that goes deep into the water. Then that creates a lot of lift. And uh, that it creates enough lift where we can put our, our floating house on top of that pole. And then it just, you have your house floating above the water by uh, between two and a half to three meters. Uh, and then at the very bottom of that, we have a very, very heavy weight, which is down below the water. If it's our deep water model, it's about 30, 35 meters down. Mm. So we have maybe up to 100 tons of weight. And that holds it in place really steady so it doesn't move at all. It's uh, very, very stable. Um, so you have the buoyancy from the spar, from the, the cylinder, and then you have the heavy weight at the bottom, which makes it very stable. So that's kind of how it works. And then we have it. Uh, tied down with anchor lines so it doesn't float off. Um, so how how does all the water and everything work? We have uh, a lot of design that's gone into it, a lot of research um, for toilets, something we scratched our heads about for a long time because we didn't want to have to deal with emptying black water tanks from uh, toilet water right. or toilet uh, sewage. 
So we have a uh, an incinerator toilet, which basically turns everything that goes down the toilet into dust. Uh, so it's non-toxic and it's uh, we don't have to dump toxins into the water, uh, which is important. And then for the showers, we have a system uh, we heard about it about a year year ago called the shower loop. And what that does is it, they realized, the, the inventors of the shower loop realized that 90% of the water that goes down the drain is totally clean water and it's already warm. So why waste it? So uh, we've built a system based on what they had uh, that recycles 90% of the water that goes mm-hmm. through, through the shower. So now instead of using 20 gallons of water to have a shower, we can use two gallons. Wow. And the longer you have a shower, the, uh, the more you save. So it's, it scales really nicely. Um, so that, that's actually a very reasonable amount of water to use for a shower, uh, for like a 20-minute long shower using like less, less than two gallons. Uh, that's very reasonable. And by recycling it, we're also uh, using, uh, reusing the hot water so we don't have to spend as much on our heating bill because we mm. have... Uh, we're recycling a lot of it. Um, so, so how and, would the water how would the water be heated then in the first place? Uh, we're developing a uh, we can do it through a couple of means. We'll either have uh, uh, gas powered uh, water heaters. Uh, our preferred method is that we're developed working on developing is uh, having uh, some tubing on the on the roof that will be kind of coiled up around the uh, coming from the center of the pod mm-hmm. uh, and moving outwards as much. We'll go out as far as we need to, to generate enough heat to uh, heat, heat the water to for the shower and for the hot water tanks and everything we need for the shower uh, for the whole water system. And then we may even be able to use that to generate some electricity as well. We're doing some experiments on that. Then mm. I assume it's all solar powered. Yeah. Solar panel. Yep, solar powered. Uh, and we we are doing some experiments, like I said, on using the uh, heating water and using the temperature differential between the hot water and the cold water from, you know, the bottom of the water, uh, uh, bottom of the sea pod. So that's, that has a, could be a couple hundred degrees temperature differential that mm-hmm. we may be able to use to turn a turbine to uh, to generate some power. So we're looking at some innovative solutions. That'd be fascinating. Wow. So let's talk about just living in general on a uh, on a sea pod. Um, what is uh, what is that like on a on a day to day basis? Is it? I mean, is it? Could a family live on a sea pod? Is it typically a single person or a couple? Or what's the what's the setup? Uh, we've designed the system to be flexible. So the first home is going to be about eight hundred and sixty six. Uh, square feet. So that's, that's big enough for, that's a nice size space for, uh, for a, a single person or a couple. Uh, and then our living room could also be converted into, uh, it could be built into a, a second bedroom as well. Um, it would be a little bit small probably for a family, mm-hmm. but uh, for vacation rentals for a family that could, that could work. Right. Uh, in the future, we'll have larger models, but this will be uh, the the way we're going to be starting. 
And then getting on and off of the C pod, it's hard to tell, but by the way it looks, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you get up to it? There's a spiral staircase in the, uh, in the spar that goes from oh, the cool. water level up to the top. That's not in a lot of the renders. So people ask that question a lot. <laughs> okay. And now to shift <laughs> to the, we haven't talked about the land pods at all, which I, I think are really cool also. Um, Essentially, it looks it looks like a similar design to to the C pods in a way, similar layout, and they're raised up above the you know, above the the tree level. So, what's the thought process there, and where would where would land pods go? Where you know what uh, what plans would you have for where to place them? Uh, well, kind of the interest came uh, last summer. I was. I was thinking, well, you know, this design could work on land as well. That could be interesting. Um, but it was kind of a distant thought. Um, and then I was on a plane uh, coming to Panama, um, you know, as I was traveling back and forth between Toronto and, and here. And uh, I was on a plane and the guy sitting beside me, we started talking and he actually owns uh, one of the largest golf courses in Panama. And he... Uh, was thinking about buying a 3D printer to 3D print uh, homes for his property. So I thought, well, we have like the largest 3D printer in Central and South America. So, you know, why don't we we try to do something? And then we started talking about designs and said, well, here's our design. He loved it. So uh, the next week I was, I flew up to visit him at his golf course and did some surveys and the place is just stunning. It's 900 acres. Uh, and there's beautiful, I mean, there's beautiful places all over Panama. Uh, what we really liked about the putting land pods on land is that they only have a footprint of 1.6 meters. So you don't have to, normally when you build a home on land, you clear cut, like take down the trees, you put up a parking lot. And, uh, then after the house is built, you may put a token plant, um, or small garden. Mm Mm-hmm in um and with the uh with the land pods you don't have to clear cut <laughs> you don't have to clear cut the the, the trees and, and nature it can it can coexist right and one of the things i love about sea pods is that when uh you know the original prototype that we had which was in thailand about 13 miles offshore people think that the ocean is filled with life and uh, when really when you're outside of the coastal area, there's not a lot of life in the water. It's, it's very, it's more like a desert than anything else. Um, so when we put the sea pod, the first prototype out there, um, there's no, there's nothing. There's a few jellyfish and that was about it. There's no fish. There's no really nothing to speak of. Hmm. Within two months of the sea pod being in the water there, the first prototype, uh, there was thousands and thousands of fish. I was scuba diving for a week in Thailand and I saw more fish at the, at the, around the prototype than I did anywhere else in the main scuba diving sites in Thailand. So that's just because there's, there's a structure there. It gives, gives them some, I don't know. Yeah. Um, they call it a, uh, a fish aggregation device, which okay. is basically anytime you put anything in the water, it creates shade and, mm-hmm fish kind of start to congregate around it. Uh, you'll have barnacles that start to grow on whatever's in the water and, 
and then that becomes a whole ecosystem and it just continues to grow and grow and grow. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you guys have a lot going on at Ocean Builders, you know, these very, all very fascinating. It'll be interesting to see how, how each of these scale. And I'm curious to get your sort of, you know, when you look out into the future, a year, five years, 10 years from now, um, what do you see this growing into? Well, uh, I've been working with our architect to come up with like a vision, a master plan of where this mm-hmm. can go and uh, came up with some pretty, pretty interesting designs and um, that are, I think, very realistic. Like six months ago, I didn't think we would, or even a month and a half ago, I didn't think we would have a cruise ship. Wow. Uh, so, you know, we were talking about it, but when we're planning for it, but it's another thing for it to, <laughs> to actually happen. Um, so, uh, we started designing, well, what would this community look like around the cruise ship? Uh, and so we have a design where we'd have the cruise ship and then we'd start building, uh, modular pieces that can be added section by section. Uh, as there is demand, we could, we could add a, you know, a little walkway. We could add, uh, maybe, a, a floating barge, like we're talking about for building some more sea pods in that area then that could be connected to uh, some office space we could build would be like on another barge and that could just be built out step by step into a larger community. And we can do it as, as the demand is there and we can build additional residential, we could build additional uh, manufacturing sites, we could build uh, office space, uh, we can build agricultural space. So we have, uh, you have some plans to do something I think that can be pretty special in the world. And I'm kind of inspired by the model that, uh, that I get from, from Venice, you know, hundreds of years ago before Venice really existed, it was, there was, it was just swampland basically. Uh, and that evolved over time to be probably like one of the best known tourist attractions in the world that people kind of always dream of going to Venice and it's a huge tourist attraction that brings people from all over the world to see it. And I think this can kind of be like the, the Venice of the future. Uh, and I think it can be something very interesting. We're trying to design it as uh, I think it appeals to a lot of people, a lot of different demographics are interested in this. So we're right now mostly targeting uh, the crypto blockchain kind of fields because that they're that's where I came from and that's where my partners came from. So we figured, well, that's how we all got together. So maybe there's a lot of other people there that uh, have the same uh, goals and uh, building this out kind of gives us a, an opportunity to do something that no one's ever been able to do anywhere before and to build a community where we can say we can experiment with all these different crypto systems. So we can have, uh, where you wake up in the morning, you go to the coffee shop on, on the cruise ship and you can pay with uh, Bitcoin. Then you can go and maybe get a, uh, a green drink or a smoothie um, at the store next door and pay with Litecoin and then um, go watch a movie at the theater and pay with Digibyte and then go for lunch and pay with, you know, U.S. dollars uh, and, you know, it just do your whole day and just pay however you want to pay and mm-hmm. whatever currency you want to pay with. 
and uh, we would like to have the all the ownership of the different cabins also uh, have the title on the blockchain. So you can buy and sell and trade down to the Satoshi level. Uh, you're, you're, you're part of the cabin. Interesting. And uh, there's so much we can do with that. There's so many different avenues for exploration that we can play. We can have this um, sandbox where we can play, just experiment. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really creating a city from scratch at sea. Um, really fascinating stuff. Um, I'm curious, do, does, the, does Panama, does their government, is there any sort of restrictions or constraints that they would, that they would put on you, what you're able to do? Uh, we're in communication with the Panama government a lot because we want to build something that's sustainable that's going to, uh, like, we kind of, they're all almost like, kind of like a partner. Um, the whole world has kind of been devastated with, at least the tourism industry has been devastated in every country around the world. So mm -hmm. we're, what we're building is something that can bring potentially a lot of tourists to the country and create something that is quite unique. And Panama is kind of excited about, I think in a way they're more, almost more excited about this than we are because we've, we've met with them a lot and they see the potential that this could bring some really great things to, to the country. Uh, we're, we're creating jobs locally. So they love that. Um, and we're creating something that can bring a lot of interesting tourism to the country. We're looking at developing a lot of uh, green um, tourism uh, that is very good for the environment. We can have uh, like under the floating uh, barge area that we'll, we'll be developing, you'll be able to come out and, and plant coral and uh, like learn how to scuba dive and plant coral at the same time. Like those are some of the ideas we're talking about is actually developing a, uh, a lot of having a lot of touch points with ecology built right into our system. So, so they really love that, that they have a mandate to promote um, green technology as well as blue ocean marine technology uh, and you know, build, build the economy at the same time. So we're kind of checking a lot of boxes with them. So we have a very good relationship with them. We're trying to you know, keep that relationship good. So we have a lot of meetings with them and uh, so far so good. Um, we have, uh, uh, they've offered us like a concierge service, which is really interesting. Uh, normally if you want to get anything done in government, you have to talk to different departments and different mm -hmm. ministries. So we have one point of contact with Panama government that just kind of handles all the other departments for us. So that's how much they, they love this project. They're trying to make it easy for us to, to make things happen. So if we say, well, you know, there's, there's these restrictions that make it hard for us to, to make things happen. So, you know, is there any way that we can, you know, find an exemption or if there's, uh, is there any way to get these two ministries talking so we could find a way to make this happen? And uh, so they're really trying to work with us to make this happen because they see that this could be, this project, I think they see, I think they see our vision of this project where, where we could make this something really interesting. Well, I mean, it's the way that you've laid it out. It's, it's hard not to see the vision. It kind of, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's kind of in the past 
what, two months here getting the cruise ship. I guess it's happened pretty quickly for you. But um, even just, you know, myself, you know, looking through the, the website and reading articles, you do start to get see that vision right away. So um, I think it's something in that way, it, it's a, it sort of almost sells itself. It's so persuasive in, in the visuals that you see. It's, uh, it's really fascinating. Um, but before I do let you go, though, Grant, um, I do want you to just share with my audience, I mean, number one, if they do want to be a part of this, how do they do that? Um, any other ways that they can get involved? Uh, there's lots of ways to get involved. We, uh, I think this is like just about one of the most exciting things happening on the planet. I really believe that this is kind of like the new frontier. And this is like discovering America all over again. This is like, and I think when, when there is a new frontier that creates the opportunity for a massive uh, amount of innovation. And uh, that can be innovation in the blockchain space and uh, technological innovation just for living on the water. You have a, a philosophy of uh, oceans first and Mars later. Uh, because there's no point in going to Mars when we have like 72% of the, the earth is, is this incredible blue ocean that we can turn mm-hmm. into uh, a, a beautiful living space. So we'd, uh, we're always trying to do a call to action to people to come out and join us and come start something on the, on the frontier and be a part of it. If you, if you are complaining about the way the world is and you don't like it, well, we're, we stopped complaining. We just started doing. We started working on building solutions. And we're interested in having even our competitors come out and you know work alongside us. We have a lot of the infrastructure. It's already ready to go. A lot of the technology we're developing to live on the water is open source uh, that we're putting out in the open source community. So it's like if you think you can do something better or if you'd like to work with us, come on out. Come on out and, and uh, participate. Or come on and uh, come out and live on the crypto cruise ship and and uh, and design the life and the, the future you want to live in. Like be proactive and, and do something. Uh, so you can reach out to us at on oceanbuilders.com. Uh, we have lots of ways to contact us on the website, uh, on social media as well. So we'd love to hear from people that want to participate, get involved, buy a cruise ship cabin, uh, buy a sea pod, or come out and, and volunteer as a, as in our incubator uh, uh, and help us make this happen. Very cool, Grant. Thank you so much for your time today. And uh, you know, I'm sure you'll be a, a very busy man. I'm sure you are already, but in the coming, coming months and years, good to get to speak with you. Okay, great speaking with you. All right, that is it for the show today. I just want to quickly thank Grant Romold for giving us his time today and sharing with our listeners, with all of you out there, about Ocean Builders. It's very exciting and, like I said, fast-moving startup that I feel very strongly that it is going to make a huge impact and really disrupt the world. I'm excited to see it play out, and I'm excited to see how many of our listeners take advantage of it. So if you want to look into this opportunity, if you're, you know, really thinking that this is something that could be for you, or even if you just, you just want to peruse the website, I want to encourage you to go to lionsofliberty.com ocean and check it out. 
All right, with that said, I don't want to take any more of your time today. I want to thank you all for listening. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.